Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for today, and just, uh, Lord, the blessing of each of us being here. Lord, I pray that you allow people to just uh, be present, allow them to have open ears and open hearts, Lord, and that um, you would just work through through me today, Lord, and uh, to speak to speak your truth. We thank you so much for everything you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so some of you probably know, but I'm, I'm not the pastor here. My name's Blake, but... I'm I'm here today. I'm gonna be sharing sharing my story with you guys. Um, really, this is the first time I've probably gone to the full extent of this for a lot of you. Um, so nervous, but I'm excited. So I, I I think it'll be good, but hopefully, anyways. But so for me growing up, I was born into a Christian household, in a sense. My parents were proclaiming Christians from a from an early age I we we attended a Baptist church um, very early on like I said I, I I grew up in the church I did um, and when I was gosh I don't even know six maybe seven somewhere in there I, I was pretty young I I got saved I was baptized um, the, the the cool part about that was the pastor um, typically wouldn't baptize kids that young they they don't kids five six seven eight whatever they don't fully understand what it means but he talked to me and apparently I I did or at least I said enough to where he thought I did and so at at a young age I I was baptized and I went through pretty much my entire my entire life proclaiming to be a Christian I still am clearly but um, I went through a lot of my my life saying that through elementary, middle school, high school, afterwards. I always said it. And the, the, the weird part is, is on top of that, everybody around me, the experiences I had, I myself even at times would be called a leader. People called me, you know, you're going to be a leader one day, you're going to do this. You know, in elementary school, we had this little group of, of people. Those of you that went to school with me, I don't know if you remember, the peacekeepers. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah. There, it, was this, it was this group of, you know, it was elementary kids, and they were called peacekeepers, and we were the leaders of the elementary school, and in, like, fifth grade, we went on, like, a weekend retreat, and it was it was so cool. It was super embarrassing. I wasn't going to share this, but this is a hilarious story. I think you guys will appreciate it. So we're sitting around, and we're all sharing, and I had a crush on a girl who was a year or two older than me, and I was sitting next to her during sharing time, right, and we're supposed to bring something to, to share, and... I had brought a baseball from a baseball game because I had gotten the game, the game ball, and I was kind of tossing it and stuff. And at, while tossing it, I dropped it in front of me. Okay, So I bend over to pick it up. No, remember, this girl, I've had a crush on her for years. Okay, I, I think she's the most amazing thing to ever walk the earth. And I bend over, and when I do, I just rip one. Just <laughs> right in the middle. It's like dead quiet. Just like dead silent. And it, I was, it was devastating, okay? Imagine, imagine being a 10-year-old next to your crush and that happens. Devastating. Anyways, weird tangent. But, okay, so early on, and from that, however, from, from this idea of peacekeepers and everybody around me, I, I had learned very early on from an early age, from my relationship with my parents to relationships I had in, in school and around me, to fake it to schmooze, right? Around here, a lot of people will call me the schmoozer, right? Because that's, that, that's my persona I slip into. 
when I, when I don't know, when I, when I panic, when I get caught, whatever it is, right, whatever that lie is, my tendency is just go, hey, everything's fine, which causes far more issues. <laughs> I promise it does, okay? But I, I, I learned early on that that, that, was, that was how you got through life. If you tell everyone that everything's okay and you can convince them and yourself that everything's okay, everything's okay. It's not okay. It wasn't. And that, like I said, that, that happened so early on that that became my identity. And that's, that, that, that was who I was for years, for most of my life. And I still, I still struggle with it today. And so growing up as well, my identity very quickly became the guy that everything's fine. But the thing was, it, it wasn't. I was smart enough to know that it wasn't. But I was, or at least I thought, I was smooth enough to be able to convince people it was. And a large portion of people believe that. And so, because I was so lost in who I actually was, I, I looked for the glory in things. I, I, I looked for the glory from whoever and wherever I could find it. Early on, um, you know, as, as, as a younger kid growing up, I, I played, you know, baseball. I wasn't, I wasn't the most, most athletic kid, right? But I always wanted to be. And so I, I got a lot of identity or tried to from, from baseball. And then it was from these, these leadership things I was doing. You know, these, these peacekeepers, these, these groups, these, these things that people would tell me, hey, this is what you're going to do. I was in, you know, FCA in high school. I was, I was in SAD, National Honor Society. I, I, I was in everything. And in each one of those, in one, in one way, shape, or form, I was some form of leader in some way. And that, that got to me a little bit, both good and bad. It, it built a confidence in me in some ways, but that confidence would later be shattered in multiple ways because it, it wasn't, the, the things I was doing might have been good, but the glory wasn't for the right person. The glory was for me. And so even, even in high school, I was the first, first person, I was the first person ever in my high school's history, we, we, we had baccalaureate. And it was, you know, we would get together. It was supposed to be like this Christian thing. I was the first student to ever give the baccalaureate message. It was the first student ever. Felt pretty good about myself. Right? Got some pats on the back. Hey, good job. That was awesome. But again, I didn't, I didn't, my heart wasn't in the right place. I was doing it for me. I was doing it so that people would see me. I was doing it for the affirmation. So that people would come up to me and say, hey, good job. And then after high school, things started to fall apart. Some of you that are close to me, I call them my dark, my dark years, my dark days, whatever it is, right? But that began to lead into a much worse situation. Like I said, I was looking for that identity. I was, I was looking for that affirmation. I was looking for something or someone to make everything okay. So that led to women, relationships, 
always trying to buy things that were, that were nice and looked good. Always putting on the mask, the schmoozer. You know, my life, my life could be falling apart, and at times it was. And I'd look at people and go, hey, everything's fine. Right? You guys seen the, the meme, right, of like the little dog sitting in the house, and it's all on fire. And it's like, everything's okay. That, that was me. That was my entire life. Things were falling apart around me, but everything was fine. And looking back, I don't know who I was trying, trying to actually convince. If I'm honest, I think I was more trying to convince myself than other people. And it led to broken promises, relationships that had been damaged that to this day aren't, aren't the same. I jumped around from girl to girl, relationship to relationship. As soon as, as, soon as one kind of stopped, I'd move on. As soon as, soon as one, one girl got a little too difficult or, or one woman got too much to handle or I didn't get what I needed, what I wanted to make myself feel like everything was all right, once that stopped looking like the good relationship, the one that everyone wanted to be, I was over it. The funny part is through all this is even at, 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 as a young kid, at a very young age, if you asked me what I wanted to be, it was one thing from that time I was saved from five till probably sophomore year in high school. I would tell you the only thing I wanted to be was a preacher, a minister, you know, whatever word. That was the only thing I would say. Middle of high school, it changed where I wanted to go to school to be an attorney. And then I realized that takes a lot of time and a whole lot of money. So very quickly drifted away from that. And then I kind of settled. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be a teacher. That's what I thought I wanted to do. Plan was to go to college, get a degree, go teach high school history, social studies, econ, all that stuff, which I still love to this day, but that, that was the plan, that I would be able to, to coach the sports that I wanted to coach, that I would be able to teach and, and affect kids. I knew I wanted to work with kids even as a kid, which was really weird because other kids don't understand that. And so even during that time where I started to walk away and things, things got bad because of what I was doing, I still was pursuing something. I didn't understand it at the time. But even, even in, that, in that time period when I was meeting up with different girls and doing all sorts of stuff, I still wanted, I still wanted to glorify God, but I didn't know that's what I wanted. All I knew is I, I the, the only thing I could think of is that I wanted to do some sort of ministry. And I, 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 didn't, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that meant, honestly. But that's what I wanted to do. And it was, it was a really weird time in my life because I would, I would wake up. I would go to work. Right? I'd work a 12-hour day, whatever. I'm, I'm like 19, 19, 20. I'm working like 12-hour days, five days a week. I'd get off work. I'd come back into town. The church I was going to at the time, the pastor... Not, not this church, just clarify, but um, the church my family was going to at the time would, would meet with me. He met with me a few times because I claimed I wanted to go into ministry and he wanted to check. The, the thing is, looking back, and if, if he ever sees this, I always thought that he kind of brushed me off. Kind of thought it was just like, yeah, okay, whatever, here, shoe. But looking back, I think he could tell. 
I wasn't in a place to be ready for that. I wasn't even in a place to truly want it, if I'm honest. I was lost, I was searching, but I didn't know what for. That's because a, a lot of my life growing up, like I said, I, I grew up in church, right? I grew up in a Christian household, or at least they claimed to be. But a lot of my faith was based on things that were taught and not taught. I say now a lot that a lot of the things I was taught were, were taught by omission. The things I learned were taught because they weren't. My beliefs, my faith was set on the things that I didn't know because I didn't know I didn't know them. And so those relationships I continue to pursue to fill some sort of void, even though I didn't know what it what it truly was. I could say a lot of the right things. Right? That goes back to that side of me, that schmoozer side, that mask that I could put on to convince everybody around me, if I'm honest, myself, that everything's fine, that I'm doing okay. Those relationships help fill that. Because I've, I very quickly fell into the, the worldly view of perfection. Good relationship nice truck, dress nice, look like you have some money. I made it look that way, even though I was, I practically never had anything. But I, I never would have admitted that. I didn't for the longest time. And so through, through a lot of those teachings or unteachings, I was always taught that the only way to be saved was perfection. So I think I was scared. I was scared to admit that I wasn't perfect because that means I, I wasn't saved, I wasn't a Christian. And then I, I, I had this weird belief, and again, this is one of those things I still struggle with, that, that God would punish me in areas of my life because of other things I was doing. Oh, I, you know, the, the one... The one very specific example I always use because it's very, very sort of prominent in my mind is my girlfriend at the time who, again, I was seeking for, seeking for validation. She was, we're, she was talking about wanting to break up with me. And I remember being in the shower, sobbing, because I didn't want this to happen. And the only thing, the only, re, the only reason in my mind that I could come up with, which I realize looking back now is completely like it, that had nothing to do with it, was because the week or week prior I had watched porn. The week prior I watched porn, so God made my girlfriend break up with me. A week prior, I I, I cursed at my mom, so my tire blew on my way to work. Those were the things I wasn't taught. But that's, that's what I believed. I did something over here, so God's punishing me in all the areas of my life. Which I now know that when it, when it comes to the sin, sin has effects, right? But we choose that. It doesn't work that way. That's not what I was taught. And so during all of this, I began to walk away from the life I grew up in because it didn't make sense. None of it made sense. Why, why would I want to do something when the God I said I served would punish me for every little thing I did wrong? What's the point? 
So I ended up taking a job where actually I, I worked Sunday mornings, and at the time, I wasn't upset about it. So I couldn't go to church with my family. I would skip anything having to do with Christianity or anything like that. Anything to do with church, I had no interest in. Even, even though I, there was still this part of me, I was like, yeah, I still kind of want to go into ministry. But I, I didn't want to do any. It, it was a really weird time. I, I can't fully explain it. But. And through all this, through all this, I started, I started seeing someone who invited me here. And I was, I was still very, very hesitant. But that singular action, that singular person, is, is the journey began at that point. Everything up to that was just precursors. That was the prelude, and now, like, it was time. The journey began. The reformation, the reforming, began. And the running joke, because even though I was hesitant, I would always come and I would play softball because I loved baseball so much. So I always made sure to be here during softball season. <laughs> People around know. I disappear from, from August until, like, March or April when softball season started again. But ironically, it was one of those things. God used one of the things that I, I was trying to get identity in to get me connected. He used the, the two things at that time in my life that I thought I loved more than anything. Women and sports. The two things that I had put, I had put my identity in in so many ways. He used that to get me in a place to take steps to where I am now. I had been, gosh, coming for off and on for, what, two years maybe at that point, a year and a half? I think it was two years. It was two softball seasons, rather. Um, <laughs> but, and then I met someone else. And because they also claimed to be a Christian, she also claimed to be a Christian, I was like, well, I gotta have a church to take her to. Hadn't been to the remnant in six, six months probably at the time. I was like, hey, you should come to my church. I knew nobody, practically. Like, I knew some names, but I was like, yeah, this is my church. You should come check it out. And so we ended up, she, she, she came to, to the remnant with me. And, gosh, shortly after, we played softball. And then about halfway through softball season, I think we became members It's probably way too quick looking back, but it's worked out, so I think it's okay. And then, again, like I said, this, this journey of reformation continued. I, I was living with, like, my best friend at the time. And, again, this, I was still seeking for my identity and validation in the wrong things, the wrong places, the wrong people. I was living with my best friend at the time. Then he ended up wanting to move out and go, go live with his girlfriend. And at the time, I didn't really have a place to go, so I moved back in with my family, with my parents. I was there for, I don't know, a few weeks. And then the idea was brought up, and at, at first, I didn't really want to. 
but I kind of did it out of necessity to begin with. But I ended up moving, moving in with like all the Remnant House guys and all that stuff at the advice of my then girlfriend because I just wanted to make her happy, so I had to do whatever she wanted. Please don't live that way, guys. <laughs> okay, guys in the back, you know who I'm talking to. Yeah, back couple of rows there. Don't look away. I'm talking to you too. Don't look at him. Those are my youth kids. It's fine. But that's, that's how I lived. I put, I put my identity so much in that relationship. I was willing to do things that I knew I, I, knew I didn't actually want to do. Do things I knew were, were wrong just because I wanted to make that relationship look good. You know, the, the, what's, what's the, oh gosh, the, the, the saying, right? The popular saying, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> We're going to continue. Um, <laughs> whew, that could go on for a while. Anyways, but, okay, but that relationship that I, I idolized it, I idolized it so hard, so much. It, it's funny because I, the other thing I'll say is, like, I, I came to the remnant for one girl. I brought another, and she got me to stay. Because I don't know if I, 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 I don't know. I can't say I, I, where I would be without God ordaining all of those experiences in the order that he did, because I, I, I don't know. But that relationship that I had put so high, I had put it so far above God. It ended. It fell apart, and I was devastated. Absolutely wrecked. And that was the first, kind of the first big moment in my life where I knew that God was giving me a choice. It was very obvious, the choice. He said, you can follow me and let me tell you how to live, where the, your glory goes, or you cannot. And I, I stayed. I stayed at the church. So did she. But even after that, I continued to seek glory from things that, that weren't of God. I still continued to do that. I tried to take positions even in the church that I wasn't fully ready for, which I know God can equip us, right? But it was more of like I didn't actually want to. But I knew I, knew I was supposed to do something. I continue to seek glory in, in the jobs that I did at work, to people outside of, of the church, to people that weren't Christians. Those were the people I was trying to appease because they made me feel good about myself. Because remember... At the end of the day, as long as I could convince myself everything was fine, everything's okay. And then shortly after that, I had another moment where God once again had to kind of take everything away that I was using to hide the fact that everything was not okay. 
in a very short period of time, I had an engagement fall apart. I dislocated my knee so I couldn't fully walk for a while. I lost my job. I lost the truck that I had put a lot of money into because it looked nice. I didn't have money. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any of the things that I thought would make me a good person. Because that was the other part. I live, I've always been, you know, if, if you would ask any of my friends from, from school or anyone who, who's known me for a long, a very long period of time, I guarantee they'd be like, yeah, he's a good guy. He's a nice guy. And that was my standard. I'm a good guy. I don't, I don't fight people, so I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm a good Christian. I gave a homeless man some money once. I'm a good guy. But since that moment, since that moment where everything was taken away yet again, the Reformation continued. I continued to see things that I had never seen before. I had been been through experiences that I wouldn't wish upon really anyone. I had seen, heard, done things that I don't want other people to have to live through. Fairly recently, in the last couple of years, my parents went through a divorce. And that's led to a bunch of other things. Like I said, I, I grew up in a Christian home. Christian home. We prayed before a meal maybe a few times a month. Once in a while, my family, my, my mom or dad would try to lead a devotional with the kids, but we didn't take it seriously. I grew up in, a, in an environment where everything around me was said to be Christian, but looking back, I don't know if it was. Not fully. Because there's a, there's a difference between claiming it and doing it. There is a difference there. And that was a difference that I never understood. At least not for a while. I lived 20 some years, gosh, I don't even know, probably 22 years of my life. 23, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm only 26 for reference, but 22, 23 years of my life as a Christian. That's what I would tell people but it was more of a name tag. I'm a Christian. Put it right there. You can see it. And so that reformation that I said is still going on, but I'm, I'm at a place where I, I, I know things and I realize things that I never, I never had before. Because I thought the only way to make it into heaven, the only, the only way to be loved by God and by God's people was to do good things. The only way I could ever be a, a good Christian is to have enough money, drive a nice enough vehicle, wear good enough clothes, have a good enough relationship. And as long as all that looked good, everything was fine. And I, I, I still struggle with a lot of that. But the thing is that I've, I've, I've come to learn 
is that none of that matters. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how, how broken I am, how broken I have been, the things I've done, the things that I regret, and some of the things I don't. None of that matters. Because of, of one person, one man, Jesus Christ. Because of that, none of that matters. So there's a very small book in the Bible that I had forgotten about until fairly recently, probably the last few months, and I was reading, and I came across this, and it's from, it's from Jude. And it's Jude 1, verses 24 and 25. And it says, Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and without and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Because here's the thing. I was one of those people that I, I, I didn't deserve it. I don't deserve what God has blessed me with in so many ways. The least, the least of which being the grace that he's blessed me with. I, I don't deserve it. She's, Mandy's going to come up and she's going to play some music. Like I said, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve what, 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 what he's gifted me with. The family that I now have that I didn't before. The people in my life. that I'd always said I'd wanted a certain thing, but I, I never did anything to try to get it. And yet he still blessed me with it. People in my life that truly love me. With understanding and knowledge that I never had before. And I think back on that time. All the the, the weird little coincidences and we all have them in our lives where we, we look back and go, well, that's weird that, uh, that's just a weird thing no it's not all those little weird coincidences that happened in my life are the reason I'm standing here today and like Jude says it's all for his glory because when because Jesus came down and he was fully man fully God he paid the price for a sacrifice that none of us deserve and none of us could ever pay. Because I know I don't deserve it. And if I'm honest, here's the thing, neither do you. Neither do you. And even though he knows that. God knows that we don't necessarily deserve it, but he loves us so much anyways. He came down in flesh in the form of his son in Jesus Christ. He showed us the way to live. He taught us. He continues to teach us. And then he did something miraculous. He willingly died. Willingly died. So that when we go before God, God doesn't see us. 
He doesn't see Blake out sleeping around with a bunch of girls. He doesn't see Blake out there doing whatever it was he was doing. But you know, who does he see? He sees Christ. He sees the perfection that I had always wanted to be. He sees that, but not in me, in Christ. Because it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how many cookies you hand out to the homeless guy. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how good you think your life is. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, without Christ, none of it does. So here in a moment, you're going to have an opportunity. There's going to be people up here to pray for you. Don't wait. Don't wait. The thing is, Jesus tells us following him is not always easier. And if I'm honest, it hasn't been. It is not easy. I was 24 years old, 25, I'm now 26, trying to lead a family, trying to lead my father and my mother and my siblings towards Christ. It's a lot of pressure. It's not been easy. The things I do, I'm not perfect now and I never will be and I know that. you have an opportunity today to admit that you're not perfect, to admit that the perfection that you think you want is not true. The only perfection that you can have is through Christ. So that when that day comes and God looks at your life, what's he going to see? Is he going to see you? Or is he going to see Jesus' perfection? Well, we're told it's very simple. Confess with your lips, you say it, and believe it in your heart that Christ is Lord, he is Savior, and he is who he says he is. And you will be saved. Done. The after we can worry about. The after that we can worry about because we have we have something to show us. We have Jesus to show us. We have the Bible. But now, in this moment, you have an opportunity and a decision to make just like I did. You can continue living your way or you can follow Christ and live his way for his glory. Pastor Todd says it every week, but it's so good. You have an opportunity here. Don't leave the same as you are when you came in, because if you leave the same, you are choosing to do so.